0: Father, thank you for gathering us here this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of Luke. Thank you for the picture of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to live and to minister and then to die horribly on a cross so that we could have the opportunity to come and trust in you and follow you and live a life of no more compromise and that's what we'll be talking about and I know that you know that Lord I pray that you would take the the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth and that you would just cause them to be acceptable in your sight and that you would cause them to be life giving to our church family this morning I know that in Jesus only in Jesus is true life found so I pray Lord God that you would come and help me I am so inadequate and so useless as it comes to this task of preaching apart from you so with you I know that this task can be done. I pray that you would use this message and this text to bring many to true and authentic salvation. That you would open hearts this morning to hear from you and to be renewed in you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would make new people. That you would awaken dead hearts this morning. Help us to come alive in you as we see uh, you. So Spirit of the living God, I pray and ask that you would come and be in our midst and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Luke chapter 23 verses 13 through 25. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. Pilate decided that their demands should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown to prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And here's kind of the big idea for us this morning that I, I hope that you would kind of remember and get etched into your memory. The big idea is this, that when we compromise, what we do is we ignore the truth that has been revealed to us. And then in the midst of ignoring that truth, we then give in to the sinful demands and temptations and desires of our hearts. And flowing out of that, what we do is we then wind up making destructive decisions. You ever try to focus on all the destructive decisions in your life and go man i wish i could just stop doing x i wish i could just stop doing y right Uh, the problem is you may be focusing on the wrong thing because that that destructive decision in your life has a root and that root goes all the way back to something called compromise compromise like what compromises have you made in your lives recently in regards to your relationship with jesus Think about that. What compromises have you been making in your relationship with Jesus? What what truths has Jesus been showing you that you are rejecting, ignoring? What what sinful demands? What kinds of sinful demands and desires deep down inside you have been welling up, that you've been surrendering to, tossing up the white flag, giving into, laying down to? What, what destructive decisions have you um, been making recently in your life? So when we compromise, once again, when we compromise, we ignore the truth, we give in to sinful demands, and then coming out of that, we make destructive decisions. And in this passage that we're studying, what we see is we see Jesus on trial before Pilate, right? It's so on trial in front of Pilate. The Son of God... The king of the universe. The savior of sinners. Jesus is on trial in front of a Roman ruler named Pilate. And all of his own people are right there in the background. They're all there in the background yelling for his murder. And it's a story of compromise. It's what it is. It's a story of compromise. Pilate compromises by ignoring the truth of Jesus' innocence, which then leads him to surrender to the crowd's sinful demands, which then results in one of the most destructive decisions that has ever been made throughout time. Like this cycle of, of compromise that we see, in this passage presents us with a dilemma it's a problem of a problem that we have to face up to as we examine this passage look at verses 13 through 16 in verses 13 through 16 we see the first thing we see Pilate ignoring the truth right oh pilot roman ruler <laughs> ignoring the truth Luke tells us that that after King Herod had had his fun with Jesus, then Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate, right? And then the two of them, these two guys, both Pilate and Herod, these guys who were once great enemies, they were at enmity with each other. They actually became great friends on that day. They became great friends in their united effort to undermine the power, the authority, and the goodness and the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. <coughs> In the midst of seeking to please the, the murderous intentions of the religious leaders that were there. The people that should have, the people that should have followed Jesus, the people that should have loved Jesus, right? Instead of loving him they were seeking his murder they were living in compromise if you think about this for a minute i think the levels and the amounts of compromise uh, in this in this story like it, it could be mind numbing if if you actually slow down and pay attention to it if you if you actually slow down and pay attention to the the amount of compromise in this Passage. If you give it enough time to really sink in. Luke says that Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, oh, I, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. And neither did Herod. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore... Punish and release him. It's the last phrase of verse 16. The last phrase of verse 16 that, for me, reveals Pilate's compromising heart in this passage. It would be too easy for us. and I spoke with a few of you this last week, even after we first started noticing Pilate, right? A few of you were like, man, Pilate kind of seems like a nice guy. He wants to let Jesus go. Uh, and I think it would be really easy for us if we just read past this text real fast to miss what's really going on here. Press pause on this for a minute. You look at verse 16. Okay, somebody's... Hold on. My, my phone is going crazy, like text messages and all sorts of stuff, and so it's distracting the heck out of me, so I'm going to put it over there. <laughs> Let me pray. Jesus, uh, Father, I pray that you would come and help me to preach this message. Uh, I already now just feel totally distracted. Uh, I feel like we're not here. I feel like we're not really here to hear from you. I feel like I- I'm having a hard time communicating what you would say in this passage to us. I, I know that this topic of compromise is uh, is huge. Like Not one of us wants to be confronted for our compromising hearts. And so God, I pray that you would come And that you would surround us with your angels and that you would pour out your spirit and that you would speak to us. Not only convict us of our sin, but draw us into your presence and help us to repent in front of you. Lord, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would draw my mind to the text and help me to hear from you and help me to speak what you want me to speak. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Pilate doesn't just... Call the religious leaders, to him. He also calls all of the common people together, right? So think about this. He's not just calling the pastors and the elders and the deacons to come around him. He's calling all of the common people as well. This is a massive public display of power. That's what this is. This is Pilate flexing his muscles publicly. This thing that, that's happening here would have been all over Fox News. It would have been all over worldwide media when this was taking place. Set that scene in your mind for a minute. This is what is happening in our passage. It would have been a public address. Every major news network in the world. You might be asking, well, where, where's the compromise, right? You might be thinking, I don't see the compromise in the text. Look at the text. This is what Pilate basically says. He's like, hey, hey, you guys brought me this dude, right? You brought me this dude. You had all these accusations against him. You basically accused him of being a terrorist. That's what you've done. I checked this guy out. I checked him out. He's not guilty of anything. Not guilty of anything that you accused him of. This is publicly being communicated. Think about that. Public communication. Dude's not guilty of anything. He's innocent. Everything that you guys accused him of, innocent, doesn't deserve to die. Furthermore, even your own political government, even your own political representative, even your own senator came walking in. Mr. Herod came walking in. You know he's my enemy. We don't ever agree on anything. But he came in and he's like, yo, Jesus is innocent. I'm sending him back to you. That's the scene that's taking place Publicly in front of the entire watching world. He's innocent. He doesn't deserve to die. What should have happened at this point in the text? What should have happened in the narrative, in the story at this point? I'll tell you what should have happened at this point is the trial should have been over. It should have been done. Jesus should have walked free. He's innocent. Proven innocent by many in our text. Should have walked free. Should have been over. Take the shackles off. Let the man go. He's innocent. The gavel should have fallen. Crack. Right? Adjourn. Court adjourned. It's over. That's not what happens. That's not what happens. The truth is that Jesus is innocent of any guilt. Pilate has spoken truthfully numerous times. Even Herod, his enemy, became his friend and affirmed Christ's innocence. How evil, how evil of a compromising heart must you have to say publicly, this man is innocent, but I'm going to go ahead and punish him anyways. How evil of a compromising heart does somebody have to have to punish an innocent person for something they didn't do. Pilate was a compromiser. He was evil. This is the evil that is taking place in our passage right in front of us. <coughs> what reason did Pilate have to punish him? He had no reason whatsoever. Not a just thing. To punish innocent people, is it? not a loving thing to punish innocent people. It's unjust. It's cruel. It's horrifying. It's evil to compromise the truth that has been revealed to you about Jesus. It's evil to do that. That's actually what we see. The question that you and I have to wrestle with is, in what ways have you or I been compromising by ignoring this truth? When Jesus reveals the truth to you, how have you been compromising by ignoring it? The scriptures teach us that the truth is what sets us free. Listen, the truth is what sets you free. The problem is that you and I are always looking to things. Listen, are you listening? The problem with you and I is that you and I are always looking... Look at me. (laughs) Try that. Listen. The problem... Is that we're always looking to things, to people, and to pursuits that don't give us freedom or life. The job of a preacher, under the power of the Spirit, with the scriptures open in front of you, is to address that. It's to address that. And to simply say, all those things that you've been pursuing, that you think are going to give you life that you lay up in bed at night, thinking about, dreaming about, pursuing, all those things, they're going to bring you death and destruction. That's what's going to happen. My job is to turn you to Jesus and say, Jesus is the only one. The scriptures reveal Jesus to us as the one who comes and sets us free. Christ himself is the embodiment of truth. Pilate, in this same story in another gospel, asks, Well, what is truth? And Jesus is like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. He's the embodiment of the truth. If you don't know Christ, then you don't know the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. And therefore, if you don't know the truth, you don't know Jesus, and you cannot know the Father in heaven. This is a serious matter for us. It's a serious matter that I lay in front of you. Furthermore, when Christ who is the truth, listen, when Christ who is the truth then sets you free by the truth of the gospel, he sets you free for freedom. He sets you free to actually be free. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. He doesn't set you free to go back into bondage again. He doesn't set you free so that you can go back and look at pornography again. He doesn't set you free so you can go back to your drinking binges again. He doesn't set you free so you can go back to your pursuit of friendships and relationships because you're so lonely again. That's not why Christ sets you free. Christ sets you free so you can leave those old things in the past and pursue Him and Him alone as your only sustenance, your only need. That's why Christ sets you free. For freedom, He sets you free. Question for us. Question for us is, in what ways have you been compromising by ignoring the truth? Are you ignoring the truth regarding the gift of sex? Are you ignoring the truth regarding the gift of friendship? Are you ignoring the truth in in regards to the gift of money? Are you ignoring the truth in regards to the gift of Jesus as your Savior? And when we compromise, what we do is we ignore the truth. And we buy into things that are false. My prayer is that the Spirit of the living God would come. And He would come and open our hearts. Open our hearts to the truth that Jesus is the only answer. And that you would not ignore that truth. That you would receive that truth. That you would no longer be a compromiser like Pilate. But that you and I both would continue to grow as people who see Christ and follow Christ and believe in the truth of the gospel. Uh, Look at verses 18 through 23. You see... The natural movement of this story that Luke tells us as we see the crowd becomes more demanding. Now, people who demand things irritate the ever-living Jesus out of me. I don't know about you guys. People who are demanding um, irritate me. I have a feeling that for Pilate, I think he was more than a little irritated too by this crowd of demanding people who had gathered in his court I actually think that in some manipulative power play for for Pilate that he was almost hoping that the crowd would hear his plea for the innocence of Jesus and accept his compromise to just beat Jesus to a bloody pulp, right? Let's just beat this innocent dude to a a bloody pulp. That, That should suffice the crowd. It should leave him so disfigured that he will no longer pose any threat to anyone. In other words, I think that what Pilate is doing I think that he thought if he just compromised just a little bit, just a little, just compromise a little bit over here, that, that, that what would happen is he would save himself. All right, when we compromise, it's always self-centered. Always self-centered. When you compromise and you take that step past that black and white boundary line that you know should be there, when you cross that, it's self-centered. It's not Christ-centered. It's self-centered. We need to hear that preach to our souls so that in those moments when we are tempted to cross that line, we can repent of our self-centered ways and say, Jesus, you weren't self-centered. You gave yourself for me completely. So help me to be Christ-centered instead of self-centered in my compromising ways. Pilate thought that if he just compromised a little, he would save himself from the guilt and the fear that he felt over the impending riot, the coming riot that would happen if he did not give these demanding people what they wanted and what they demanded and what they desired, right? The problem is this. Think about this problem. The problem with demanding people is this. As soon as you feed a demanding person a little bit, what do they do? They get louder, louder, right? They start demanding more, right? Like, I come from the drug and alcohol culture, so just take this illustration with a grain of salt. Give a crackhead a little bit of crack, and what happens? Want Who want more? Right? Which Give me some more. I need it. That's what happens. Pilot is, in a sense, feeding a crack baby. <laughs> that illustration should stick with us, right? Uh, even if you're here and you've never struggled with an addiction, the picture sticks with you, doesn't it? This is what's happening with Pilate. He's hoping, praying, He's wishing they would just get off his back. So I'll give you a little bit. Give you a little bit of sugar. So what happens is it gets worse. It gets worse. The problem with demanding people is that once they sense a little bit of compromise in the air, their desire for more compromise. Gets fed, and listen to this: the beast that wells up from deep inside. It's not just like a little demanding dragon with a loud, scary voice, but it's it's actually an overgrown, all-consuming, fire-breathing dragon that that winds up consuming. Everything. Think about your tendency to give in to the demands and the desires of your heart. What happens when you do that? Everything gets laid to waste. This is why uh, the scriptures tell us that there, there is no one who is godly who desires Christ because everyone is controlled by the passions and the desires of their belly. Everyone is controlled by the passions and the desires deep within them. It's this fire breathing dragon that comes and devours. And the payment for us giving in is what? What's the payment? Death. Death is what happens. Luke describes this scene this way he says, They all cried out together. They all cried out together, Away with this man! And release to us Barabbas. This is, this, is, this is mind-blowing. Release to us Barabbas. And then, like in parentheses, Luke says, uh, Barabbas was a man. He was a man who'd been thrown to prison for insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Jesus' enemies were so hell-bent on his destruction. They were so hell-bent on quenching that th- Thirst that was deep down inside. They were like, oh, I can't handle it anymore. I gotta have what I want. A desire that's so bad, I gotta have it. They were so hell bent on, on, on feeding that thirst. So hell bent on giving water to nourish that and to nurture those desires. That they were willing to propose compromise of their own. There was this tradition uh, for Israel of letting a captive go. Every year, a captive that was in prison. You would let this captive go to celebrate the freedom that we are to find in Christ. Okay? Tracking? To celebrate that by letting a captive go. It was actually for them to celebrate the freedom that God had given them from captivity. From slavery. Everybody say slavery. Slavery. Yeah. Uh, uh, God has set them free from slavery in Egypt. What are you enslaved to this morning? What did you walk in? you You might be like, I'm a slave to anything. You need to wake up if you think you're not enslaved to something. You need to wake up if you think you're not enslaved to something. Because when Christ comes to set you free, the reality is from that point forward, it is an absolute, all-out, bare-knuckled fight that you better not fall asleep to. Because when you do, you feed, you feed those desires deep down inside of you. That's what you do. That's what you and I both do. These guys in this passage normally would set somebody free from slavery every year to remind themselves of the God in heaven who had come to make all things right and to set them free from slavery. You know what these guys did with their religious rhetoric? They learned how to speak Christianese really well, right? You know what they did with their religious tradition? They used it They used it. They used their religious tradition to abuse the Son of God. That was the compromise they made. They used their religious knowledge, their religious understanding, their religious practice to make a compromise and let a convicted terrorist and murderer run free in the streets. While demanding the death penalty for an innocent person. Pilate, Pilate seems to be shocked by this. You and I should both be shocked too. He says, Luke tells us this, it addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! The third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent. They were urgent urgent demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified doesn't this paint a vivid picture for you of what happens deep down inside of your soul think about your soul think about your heart think about your desires your desire to check out your desire to be passive with your children or your wife your your desire to to find that person to give you more gratification your your desire to just be alone rather than having to enter into the difficulty of community. Your desire, whatever it may be, that is sinful. Think about what happens in your soul as it pertains to this. There is a struggle that takes place. There's a voice of reason and truth on one shoulder speaking to you, saying, do this or don't do that. And yet, then there is this voice of temptation, this desire that you've always had, do this, don't do that, in opposition to the other. The Apostle Paul in Galatians makes it clear That the war that we live between, listen to me, the war that we live between is a war between our sinful nature, our old self and our new self, our sin nature that controls us and the spirit of God who comes in to set us free. And the war that is taking place there is to keep us from doing what we want to do. Listen, the thing that you want to do when controlled by this little demon on this one shoulder, the thing that you want to do is make war against God based upon your desires and your temptations but the thing that happens when you've got this little angelic form on the other side of you speaking in your ear right it's telling you the spirit of God is telling you don't do that don't go there don't compromise don't make that choice don't make that decision don't ignore the truth in what you do when you compromise you ignore this and you follow this right Right? That's what's happening in this passage. The demands are getting worse, and he's giving in more and more. What do you do when your heart is screaming sinful demands of compromise at you? James tells us this: James chapter one verses fourteen through fifteen. Each person is tempted; he's tempted when he's lured, lured like a fishing pole. ya. Gotcha. Hooked you, reeling you in, right? That's what Satan does. Crouches around the corner, feeds that little bit of desire a little bit, right? Starts demanding things deep down inside of you. Man, you know you want to do this. You know you want to do that. You know you want to react this way or respond that way. You know you want to treat this person that way. You know that if you only had X, your life would be so much better. So you should pursue X, Y, and Z, in fact. So, This is what Satan does, lures you, each person, every person. Nobody is exempt from this. We all get to face this. This is the threat that you and I face every single day. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed. Enticing. You know what looks enticing to me is a great big fat ribeye steak. enticing. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. I am enticed when I see those commercials for that ribeye steak hunger starts, you get that warm feeling all over your body like, oh, yeah, baby, I'm going to eat me a ribeye freaking steak, right? And then I can't stop until I have it. I got to go spend my whole paycheck to get that ribeye steak. I got to leave my family at home and and neglect them so I can eat my ribeye steak, right? I will stop at nothing to get my ribeye steak when I am enticed and lured by the temptation. This is what... Paul or James is talking about each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it conceives desire when it conceives when your desire decides to have a baby gives birth painfully to something called sin and sin when it is fully grown when that little sinful toddler grows up and becomes fully grown becomes that fire breathing freaking dragon that wants you to compromise in your life That. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Come back to Luke. Jesus is about to die. They're screaming for him to be crucified. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Jesus is about to die. The death that James is talking about for us is... Death in our lives, separation from God, which is why Jesus came. Our heart scream. Our hearts scream sinful demands deep within the courthouses of our souls. And when we compromise by ignoring the truth that the Holy Spirit preaches to us through the Word of God, the Word of God here preaches to you. When the Word of God preaches to you, when your brothers and sisters come to you and get in your face and say, Hey, get with it. You ignore that. When you ignore that, you compromise. And you instead give in to the desires and, and the demands and the, and the enticement and the temptation that is going to devour you. What simple demands have you been giving into that have caused you to live a life of compromise? Do you give in to the simple demands of bitterness instead of forgiving? Nurse that bitterness along a little bit. Think about that. Think about ways you can get your vengeance on somebody that hurts you. You give in to the demands of loneliness that then cause you to use people for your own pleasure. You give in to the demands of disappointment. People fail you, disappoint you that results in anger, slander, gossip, vengeance. When we compromise, we ignore the truth. And when we ignore the truth, we give in to sinful demands. And my prayer today is that the spirit of the living God would, would inhabit this message as you hear it. And would illuminate this passage in your heart to the truth of the gospel. So that you and I can both continue to repent from the compromises that we've made that have caused us to ignore the truth of the gospel and has led us to give in to the sinful demands of our screaming souls. Point number three in final piece, verses 23-25. through 25. <clears throat> Compromise always leads to destructive behavior. Say it one more time. Compromise always leads to destructive behavior. Ever wonder why there's so much destructive behavior in your life? Ever wonder why there's so much destructiveness in your family? I look back and I see my family and I've often wondered that. I'm learning some about that, especially through this text, because compromise always leads to destructive decisions. With pilot wavering, you just see him standing there wavering as they're yelling at him with their demands. Wavering in compromise. With the crowd demanding more, more compromise, he tells us the crowd's voices prevailed. That's the language Luke uses. The crowd's voices prevailed. In other words, Pilate gave in to the demands. Let that sink in pilot gave in to the demands let me just say something when you make a destructive decision in your life and you get there you head there you click on that site you get involved in that relationship you spend your money the way you shouldn't have spent your money you withhold your money instead of being generous Oh, the list go on and on. Apostle Paul makes a list of sins and then adds a junk drawer to it in Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians. If you want to go there and check it out, go there and check it out. I could go on all day with a list, right? We'll just use those couple of ones as illustration. When you get there and you make that decision, the decision was already made way back here. That's where we need to start identifying what's going on. You compromise way back here. And when you compromise way back here, the outcome is destructive decisions. Pilate gave in. He gave in to the demands of the crowd. And he said, and he, and he decided that their demands should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown to prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over their will. Pilate's decision was final. This was the end of it. This was the end of his compromise. It was final. It was complete. The crowd's demands for more compromise won the fight. Pilate fed the dog. And the dog that he fed devoured all sense of truth or justice or goodness. When we compromise, we ignore the truth. We ignore the truth, given the simple demands, and we make destructive decisions. Like when we choose to ignore the invitation of Christ to come and to believe in Him, to repent and believe. Repent means to turn from all those things that were eating you alive, all those things you believed in, all those false gospels you believed in, all those false Christs you believe in, all those false saviors you believed in. It's to turn away from all of our idolatrous tendencies and to turn towards Christ and believe and believe. We reject that, resist that, we make an eternally destructive decision. When we give in to lust, instead of resting in the satisfaction of Christ, we make a destructive decision. When we spend money that we do not have, or we choose not to be generous with the money we do have, then we're making a destructive decision. When we nurse our anger, we nurse our bitterness towards someone else, instead of forgiving them, we make a destructive decision. We pursue relationships based upon our loneliness and our need rather than being motivated by doing good and godly things with other people. We make destructive decisions. In what ways have you been compromising by making destructive decisions? And my prayer once again is this. I say it over and over and over again. My prayer is that the Spirit of the living God, He is alive. He is not dead. Spirit of the Living God would come and make change in us. That He would reveal those areas where we have been compromising, where we have been making destructive decisions. My prayers, is the Spirit of the Living God would convict us of that so that we can repent from those compromises that we've made that have caused us to ignore the truth while giving in to those sinful demands. Making decisions that produce destructive fruit in our lives and the lives of the people around us. Ask yourself this question in what ways have you been compromising by making destructive decisions? I'll conclude our time together here in this passage this way. I wholeheartedly believe that what I'm preaching to you is true. If I didn't, I would lack a lot of integrity, right? I pray that the Spirit of God uh, would show you how what I'm preaching comes straight from this text and how it is true and how you and I need to hear this truth. Because it is true that when we compromise... We ignore the truth. We give in to sinful demands. We make destructive decisions. But, but here's the thing, and I want you to catch this. So if you need to close your Bibles for a minute and need to smack yourself on the face and wake up a little bit, that'd be fine. I'm hoping that you might remember this final piece. As I was studying, this final truth struck me square between the eyes. It's not going to be on the screen. Um, I'm just hoping that you'll hear what I have to say and that it might rock your world in some of the same ways that it rocked me. In this story, there's a a, a real dilemma. There's a real problem. The problem of compromise is one gigantic problem, yes. But the real problem that we're faced with in this passage is found in the contrast between Barabbas and Jesus. So frame that out in your mind for a second. The contrast between Barabbas and Jesus. Barabbas is the sinful man who is guilty. He is guilty as the day is long of the charges that have been brought against him. He's guilty. Nothing can change that. He's guilty. He's guilty of starting violent riots that resulted in murder. And he was in prison. He was in a prison of his own making, of his own creation. Most people say that Barabbas was most likely a religious zealot. Barabbas could quote the scriptures better than I can. Barabbas could quote the scriptures better than any of you can. And yet, Barabbas was in prison for starting a riot, stirring up insurrection, and murder. He created that prison for Himself. He couldn't get out of it. No way He's walking out of that prison on His own strength. He can't pay the bail. He can't pay the penalty. He can't pay the fine because the penalty is death. He's on death row for His sin. And then in walks Jesus. In walks Jesus, preaching teaching, healing, confronting, giving himself willingly and completely, not just for people who refuse to give willingly and completely, but for people who never would, right? (sighs) Giving himself willingly over to his enemies so that he could be mocked and shamed, beaten and abused, sentenced to death as an innocent man, giving himself to pay the sinner's price of death so that guilty men like Barabbas could be set free, so they could hear the truth, believe the truth, and be set free, so that guilty men and women like you and I could be set free. That's the contrast in this story. So, while you and I, as we study this passage, we we may stand in harsh criticism of Pilate and his compromise. As he ignores the truth, as he surrenders to the sinful demands of the crowd, we we may stand in criticism of the crowd. How could they scream, crucify him? How how could they do that? We might stand in that kind of uh, criticism towards them. And if we if we understand how often if we understand how often that we all have ignored the truth if we understood how often we give in to the sinful demands of our hearts, if we understood how often the depth of of the destructive decisions that we've made, then here's what you and I have to do. Here's the reality. You and I have to stand with that crowd and scream at the top of our lungs for Pilate to crucify Jesus. That's what we have to do. You and I have to stand in front of Pilate and scream at the top of our lungs, crucify him, crucify him, because if you don't crucify him, I'll never get out of this prison I created for myself. That's the dilemma of this passage. That even while we stand in criticism against those who screamed and demanded his crucifixion, If we understand our deep sinfulness and our deep need for Christ, we must scream the same thing they did. Crucify Him or I have no hope. That's the Jesus that I proclaim to you today. Will you continue to compromise? Or will you cling to Christ who died so that our compromising hearts could be saved and changed. Let's pray. Father, as our music team comes forward and as we close our time in worship and communion and prayer, Lord, I pray there would just be a sweet presence of your spirit here and that you would drive home the truth of this passage that though we all here were like Barabbas, in our sin and our guilt locked away in our prison that you came and you grabbed the keys and you opened up the door and you set us free so that we could walk with you I pray for those that are here that know you, that that word would be encouragement and that it would embolden us and give us courage to no longer live in compromising ways, but that we would live in ways that would honor you and glorify you. And I also pray, Lord God, for those who are here who have not yet surrendered their lives to you. God, I pray that this would be that moment. This is a serious thing pray, God, that you would step into the doorways of souls and hearts who do not know you. I pray, God, that you would say, here is my son, Jesus, given on your behalf so that you can walk in freedom. Walk out of this prison cell. Walk the streets of a new man or a new woman. God, I pray that you would do those things. I believe that you will do it. So we leave this in your hands. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. There will be two of us near the front to serve communion to you. If you are not a believer, please don't take it. It would be a traditional thing for you. It wouldn't make any sense. If you want to begin following Jesus now, all you need to do is come forward and receive communion. That's it. Because in doing that, you're, you're professing trust that His body was broken for you, that His blood was shed for you, and that you are now saved, changed, a different person. God ain't looking for you to be perfect to come to Him. In fact, He's looking for the opposite. A realization of your brokenness and your sinfulness as you come and apply His life to you so that He can set you free, so that you can call yourself Barabbas as well. Thanks for letting me preach. Love you guys. Let's stand.